0: The Spirit in you is for character, and the Spirit on you is for service. You got to decide this. Jesus said so in His Word. So, again, welcome. To Tuesday evening Bible class. As you can see, we have a reminder so that we don't ever forget the fact that everybody needs a a, a timeline, and we'll quiz on that one later on. Uh, we're waiting for those the bus that's unloading in the parking lot. Uh, <laughs> they're dwindling in somehow. You know, this is costing you on the other end. I'm going to get my full allotted time regardless. Thank you. Okay. Father, in the precious name of the Lord Jesus, again, we come into your presence and rejoice and proclaim that you are our God. The Maker of the, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, a maker of heaven and earth. We thank you tonight for your spirit that's in us and upon us to unfold and reveal and unveil to us greater truths that we have such need to comprehend and understand. And we take authority over the powers of darkness that would interfere in the name of Jesus and break their power. And thank you that each person present is covered in the blood of Jesus. And everyone said, praise God. Well, I have so many notes. I started, and I'm going to stay with this, but it opens so many doors as I'm going through here when I start working on the works of the Holy Spirit. Now, we touched on Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit and Jesus, but it's more important that we understand our relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's okay to recognize Jesus' relationship with the Holy Ghost, but more than, more than that, it's ours. So, remember, last... Tuesday, I think, they start running together. And I cleaned out my notebook so my pages would turn easier. Remember we said that the Holy Spirit is in us two places, two directions. The Holy Spirit in us in redemption is for character. Okay? Now over over the period of time... All this has gotten all jumbled up and all mixed up and uh, misunderstood. And the, the next part has been completely eliminated or alleviated, not even used. But regardless, it's there. That's the in us part. Remember the woman at the well when Jesus was talking with her? He talked about um, a well of water spring. Those who are hungry and thirst, a well of water springing up to everlasting life. Remember that? So, the identification of that would be that would be the Spirit in us at redemption. Okay? Now, that's just one part. There's the dual working of the Holy Spirit, and that's what we'll cover some of that this evening. We've already introduced it that Tuesday evening. So next we have the Holy Spirit upon us. And we read some scriptures and we may read them again in John's gospel where Jesus is relating to these two incident, incidents. And it's to our benefit to recognize which one is being talked about. The the Holy Spirit in us or the Holy Spirit upon us. Now we just we just We just said that the Holy Spirit in us is for character, for us personally. The Holy Spirit upon us, which comes through the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Ghost, is for service. And We talked about the nine fruit of the Spirit. That's the character part. The nine gifts of the Spirit, that's the service part. And that's the goal so that we can understand and have a regular understanding and a division between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And allow either one... Listen to me. And I think I said this on that Tuesday, Stephen, I'm not sure, but regardless. It makes no difference. Anytime you're receiving truth... From the scriptures, faith has to be added. Remember, in Hebrews it says the word was preached to those people, but it had no effect because they didn't add faith to it. So so the question would be, how can you add faith? How can you add faith to the fact of the fruit of the Spirit? You think, without adding faith to that, that they're just automatically going to come? Well, check your life out. How long have you been redeemed? What kind of fruit of the Spirit is coming forth? I dare say very little. And the reason why is you're not mixing faith with it. Well, on the other side is the same thing. How long have you been filled with the Holy Ghost? How long have you been, have the Holy Spirit upon you? How much of the nine gifts of the Spirit is functioning through you? What are you just waiting for it to happen? <laughs> it doesn't work that way at all. Faith has to be added. That's the ingredient that we bring to everything. Faith is the ingredient. Is there anyone here this evening? You were not here Sunday morning at the service. Anyone who was who who was not here? Okay. Do you? Rem- For those who were not here, twenty uh, something days prior to December the first the Holy Ghost said that 21 days would pass and it would be on Sunday. We, nobody knew it at the time, but the 21 days wound up Sunday, December the 1st, that something major would occur in the lives of the people in this church. And so, <laughs> to everybody's amazement, something did, but most of the people didn't even know what it was. Really? And it's all in the same thing I'm telling you now. So if you weren't here, you have just as much right to be involved as anybody else. The Holy Ghost supernaturally laid the foundation, gave people an opportunity. Listen to me. when Finance is the only arena that you have to participate in. Study the Scriptures. Healing, you just believe for it. You have to do something. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in about, uh, what is it, the ninth chapter of Second Corinthians, where he talks about, if you sow little, you reap little. That's not, that doesn't, that only applies to finance. That doesn't apply to healing. But yet, people, there's an attack upon. There there's seemingly, there's some people just I don't understand them but they want to attack God prospering people because they don't understand. Well, I'll tell you one of the reasons they don't study this. They just make up their own rules and try to go by them thinking well this is what this is how God would act. No no no. You know, he said his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways and people try to bring God down to make Him work on their thoughts and ways. Won't work, never has worked, never will work. So God set up a, a, a scenario here for those who were willing and ready to sow into the ground and, and get a financial harvest. Which would be supernatural. And uh, when the service is at the end every closes the service will give everybody an opportunity to be a part of that. Hey, this is not this is your choice. You you make this choice. I, I, I don't have any right to pressure anybody, I wouldn't even think about it. Your choice. The outcome is your outcome. My outcome is wonderful. I'm happy with my outcome. God's blessing me every day of my life because I apply faith to it. My life is blessed daily, coming and going. Miracle and wonderful packages come to my home each and every day because I apply faith to it. Okay? My body's healed because I apply faith to it. It doesn't make any difference what I feel like or what I look like or what I sound like. I'm healed. Amen. I'm blessed. Amen. I'm prosperous. My God is a prosperous God. He. I don't understand. I do understand there's a lot of jealousy involved inside the body of Christ, which is ridiculous. And it's ego-driven. And we don't have time to get over on all that foolishness, but it's a fact. We want to continue here in, in this because I have something here I, I want to close with and i got to get to that place. So listen to me clear, carefully. Uh, uh, still, some people still believe that the work of the Spirit ends at the redemption phase. Okay, now listen. The church I grew up in as a youngster was just a little Southern Baptist, country Baptist church. They... They never even, they never got even close to spiritual things. It was totally all natural. They didn't know any better. Uh, the only thing they preached was sin consciousness. They preached hell so hot you could feel the heat every service. And that's what it was expected. Uh, if they, if someone would have started preaching grace, I don't know what would have happened. They just, they just wanted Preach uh sin consciousness and keep everybody seemingly squirming in their seats because they would identify but i I was praying yesterday, and I was thinking at the time, what kind of God would we have if he if he went to this this much uh if He took upon Himself to this degree to send His Son to the earth and then have Him be crucified and raised from the dead just so that we could be redeemed. What kind of God would this be if He redeemed our spirits and left us at the mercy of our flesh. See, that's what's being preached. That God has redeemed our spirits, but He's left us at the mercy of our flesh. And that's what's being preached. The flesh side of everything. Because nobody has finished reading the Scripture. They haven't paid, paid a lot of attention to Apostle Paul's writings in Romans, where he said it's a done deal. It's not a partial thing. There's a scripture that says, but you're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. Well, everybody's being preached to as if they're in the flesh. Paul said, you're not in the flesh, you're in the Spirit. So which one is it? Make your mind up what the Scripture says, but a lot of people just stay away from this because seemingly get more results if they preach sin consciousness, <laughs> right? But they have a bunch of miserable people. Miserable. You you want to see life in misery? Watch Christians who do not know who they are. Who let somebody teach them and tell them and preach sin consciousness to them and get them to believe that they're in that predicament where God saved their spirit at the mercy of their flesh. That's what the Apostle Paul said saying did not happen. Okay, listen to this. There are people who still believe that the work of the Spirit ended the redemption phase. In other words, redemption is all there is and they're happy with that but there's a problem with that because they can't help anybody if this be true if the spirit in you is for character and the spirit on you is for service you got to decide this jesus said so in his word in 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 the gospels you have to we'll, we'll go back and reiterate them so you have two workings of the Holy Ghost. You have the Holy Ghost in you at redemption for character, for you, takes care of you. Then you have the Holy Ghost upon you through the baptism of the Holy Ghost that supposedly presents you to the position where you can help supernaturally, help someone else. not natural. This is supernatural. You, you, you agree with me? The baptism of the Holy Ghost isn't natural and supernatural. So my question to you is this. For everybody that is not filled with the Holy Ghost, and they're trying to act and do acts of service, what would you consider that to be? Do you understand what I'm saying? Am I complicating it? The Holy Spirit baptism is supernatural. And it's given to the body of Christ to position them where they can supernaturally minister to people. Without that, what kind of ministry can you do? She said it. Natural. So what we look at out here in the, in the horizon of the body of Christ, is you see a tremendous amount of people doing natural service, which is useless. Because natural service can't defeat the works of the devil. It said how God anointed Jesus. Natural works are not anointed. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost to do what? Destroy the works of Satan. It takes the anointing. amen, Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Yes. It takes the anointing to destroy the works of the devil. That's why things are in the mess that they're in. Because the body of Christ has no power, no ability, because it's working naturally all the time. I don't want that to be the legacy of this church. I don't want that here. I want this church's legacy to be They came that way, but they left different. They came, but they left spiritually supernatural. And the works that they left behind them were spiritual works. And they were able to do the things that God called them to do. You can't do the things God called you to do in the natural. There are some requirements that's going to be required of you in the future that God knows. And you're not going to be able to answer it because you, for whatever the reason, refuse to get involved when the getting involved time comes. Now, mom was talking to a family on Sunday pertaining to their tithing and whatever. Listen to me. The 10% that's equal to tithing you do not have any leeway to do anything with but give it. That ain't sowing. That's what I'm saying. You can't sow your tithes and expect to reap like, like offerings. They're separate. Tithes and offerings are two different things. Offerings are at your control. Tithes said God's already set the tithe apart. That's His. And, and, of course, she quoted in Malachi where it talks about the position of people who withhold it. There's a, there was lots of repercussions under the law for withholding from God, which it's not. that's not based upon grace. There's, we're not paying any penalties. The only penalty you pay is when it comes time for you to do something you can't. When the requirement comes for you to invest your time and money into something you can't because you missed the sowing time. Do you understand seed time and harvest? There's a time to sow the seed, then there's a period of time, and then there's a harvest time. Everybody wants to look at the harvest time, but your harvest is dependent and based upon your seed time. That's the most important part. But whatever the reason, you know, people just get brain freeze. They can't quite understand and comprehend. They think that the minister is trying to manipulate, prize, do something, hocus pocus or something. Listen, I don't care what you do. My God is bigger than anything you got. Any need I have, you can't answer it. I wouldn't expect it of you. I don't go that way. Never have. God supplies my needs. My God supplies my need. My family's needs. We're blessed because of God. Not because of man. Okay? And I've rehearsed this many times. I'd start all over again just to prove it. Because when God called my wife and I, we had zero. Nothing. We learned to trust God. We learned to believe God. It'd be a little difficult now, because I know as much as I know. And so the Lord and I had this discussion here a while back, and I told him, I said, look, I'd do it all over again. He said, you can't. You know too much. You didn't know anything back then. You know now, so back then was harder to start because you had to be taught, you had to be led. Now you know how to be led. Now you know what to do. I had to teach you what to do then, but you already know what to do. And because you've obeyed it, it's why you're in the position that you're in. You've obeyed me. But look, I'm just like everybody else. My mind gave me a fit just like everybody else's mind. You have to defeat your mind yourself. I can't do it. Because if I start trying to mess with your mind, now you've got grounds to accuse me. Right. And I wouldn't attempt to. It's your mind. You defeat it. I know what's going on in your mind because it went, up, went in my mind and it went in everybody else's mind. But those who are successful and are being led by the Holy Ghost have defeated their minds, you can't yield you can't yield to the Holy Ghost and yield to your mind at the same time right. now this so I didn't have a minister to teach the truth to me. My wife and I were floundering on our own, learning every day major things by the Holy Ghost, okay. So, so one time we were in the process, we were selling everything that we owned to liquidate to go to school in Oklahoma. We just sold something. We had a couple of thousand dollars. We're driving from uh, Lake Norman to Charlotte. We, we came to Charlotte. We were trying to purchase a trailer. I knew we were going to need some kind of transportation to haul our stuff. To Tulsa, and I went to this. I, I, heard, I heard, saw this ad, and I went to this. Answer the ad, and this lady came out. and This was a homemade trailer, and it was very sturdy, very good. and uh, And I hadn't already rehearsed. I didn't talk to God about this. I rehearsed to myself. You know, uh, I'm not going to be a pushover when I get there, and I'm not going to. They want five hundred dollars. I'm not going to pay five hundred. You know, all from three. You know, big macho man. You know, so I get there and she didn't say a word. She showed me the trailer and I walked around, looked at it and everything. I came back around. She's standing on the steps of her home. I'm on the ground, and I said, uh, "Well, ma'am, what are you asking for this?" And she said, "My husband's in the hospital, and I need five hundred dollars." To pay the bills so they're releasing. And the Lord said, now what are you going to do? Big shot. What are you going to do now? I sent you here to bless these people. What are you going to do? Withhold? Because you want to be a shrewd trader? I said, no, sir. I peeled out 500 bucks and give it to the lady. Came home with the trailer. We're driving back right down 16 Minding her own business, happy as a lark. We came along and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me in my spirit. Now, it wasn't an audible voice that's in here. Said, that house right there, someone needs you in that house. And so I just took my foot off the accelerator. Cheryl's beside me. And I said, did you, did, did the Lord say anything to you? She said, yeah, pull over right here. And I pulled in, went up, pulled it. I've never been in these people's house in my life. Pulled up there, and uh, the Lord said, "They need you." I go knock on the door. Young man came to the door, and I said, uh, "Hey, this may seem strange to you, but uh, we were just passing by out here, and seemingly we're supposed to, we're supposed to stop here." He said, "Yeah, you are." Because I've been praying, and my wife has been praying, and we need fifteen hundred dollars. We're going to school and we're going to Bible school in Florida, and we need we just prayed that God would provide. And I said, "Here's fifteen hundred dollars." So if you think about it and you start adding it all up, it doesn't make sense. You don't just go around giving $1,500 to total strangers. You have to have some kind of confidence that this is God yeah. talking to you. Amen. That's and so one of the things that I always uh, evaluated by was what if you were in their place? What would you want somebody to do would you want them to come to help you? You've been praying and seeking God and you've been at, this is God's not going to rain money down. Somebody on the earth's got a habit that's willing to do what he needs them to do and give it to them. Amen. Now we didn't know a thing about sowing, reaping. We didn't know anything. All we knew is we were developing a relationship with the voice of God. And I'm thinking to myself, only for an instant, because you can't linger here. If this isn't God, you just lost $1,500. You can't go there. Your mind wants to go there. Your mind would like to have you dribbling all the way back to the car going, (inaudible) but you can't go there. You have to shut your mind down. You have to put more emphasis on your spirit than on your mind. You have to start saying, praise God, praise God. We obeyed God. We obeyed God. We obeyed God. Till you get your mind shut up. And the end result is we're learning to obey God. I don't know where you are, but every one of you is going to have to go through the same door that we went through with your mind when it comes to finances. That's the hardest deal to work with because we've never worked this way. We've all worked with our hands, did it ourselves. And the finance company. God's wanting you to get to the place you don't deal with finance companies anymore. You deal with God. Amen. I am convinced that God said, build that wing out there without any financial aid. So, somebody said, well, it's taken long enough. <laughs> Some of you are not obeying God, then it wouldn't be taking so long. Let's go over here real quick. We just covered this, but I want to redo it because I I want you to understand what Cheryl said. So, what do we think this means? We leave out a lot of we leave a lot of people without the Spirit to affect our service. So, what does this mean? If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost does this mean the work that you do is natural? Think about it. Put it on the right terms. I think it does. That's me. I'm convinced of it. Because there's a difference between natural and supernatural. And uh, if God didn't need His people filled with the Holy Ghost, why would He have sent the Spirit of God why would He have sent the Holy Ghost to fill people? Because He comes inside of you and seals you at redemption. But, but people who are sealed at redemption and not filled with the Spirit are lacking in the service department. The indwelling of the Spirit is for fruit bearing Huh? The indwelling of the Spirit is for what? It's for fruit bearing. And the outpouring is for service to help others, supernaturally. Here we find the dual working of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes within us, the believer, at the time of redemption to stay. He never leaves. This is something I wish everybody Christian would understand, because they're praying all the time, for God not to leave them. And He's never going to leave anybody. But they don't know this. And so it's hard to understand and listen to somebody pray when they're praying for the Holy Ghost not to leave them. I'm thinking, if you don't know more, more than that, what is this other thing you're going to say? What, what is it going to mean? It's not going to mean very much. Okay? So, uh, at the time of conversion receiving eternal life or receiving Christ. But on the other side of the dual working of the Spirit is the coming upon delivered when he or she is baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's an experience of endowment of power. Let's go to John fourteen six, And Jesus said, this is Jesus speaking now. He said, I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you for a little while. No, forever. Forever. So see, that means beyond now. That means beyond the rapture. That means beyond the millennial. That means beyond the that means beyond. He's with he'll never leave us. Here Jesus is promising the disciples another comforter, implying He, Jesus, their present comforter, would be removed, and another would be sent. And the coming of the Holy Spirit was the fulfilling of that promise. It acts 2-4. The Holy Spirit was already with them because He was with Jesus, and Jesus was with them. But once the Father sent the Holy Spirit to the disciples, He, the Holy Spirit, would be in them, and the presence of the Holy Spirit makes the difference. Amen. John 14, 17. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Two places. The Spirit of, of Truth, the Comforter, indwells those whom, when they believe in Jesus, that's the redemption. But what were the Jews to believe about Jesus? I um, Once this here, once this is realized within your belief system, and you start hearing people minister, about things in this particular position. Especially here, and some here. Here's the death, burial, resurrection. This is the dividing line. Over here is what? Okay, it's the gospel, but it's for who? Jews. Jews only. Okay, now, Gentiles were left out of the equation until when, huh Gentiles were left out of the equation until Paul was encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. Okay, you understand this, you understand this to be a truth once you get this and understand it to be a truth, uh, I was telling some of the other just now before the service. Uh, how many of you listen to Les Feldick on radio? Les Feldick is a is a uh, Bible teacher out of Oklahoma, and uh, I heard Les the other day. I hadn't heard him in a while, and he was closing his program. I got in as the end of it, and he said, "If there's the thing that I tell all believers that they ought to do." is have a timeline. And I said, right, Les. Without a timeline, you can't understand the Scripture. You won't know where to put things. You'll put them in the wrong place, and you'll try to believe them. So here we've brought this back to your attention. And so, what, can somebody tell me what this is? Don't look on your notes now. What's here? There's something between the cross and right here. Okay. This is the stoning of Stephen. How long was that? One year. year. The year's time between the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and the stoning of Stephen. And right thereafter, the apostle Paul had his encounter on the road to Damascus. So let's go back over here. Let's go back over here on this side, even over here on this side, but mostly on this. This would be under the gospel. What were the Jews to believe about Jesus? The prophetic words from the prophets ministered to the Jews. What about the Messiah? What about him? This is what they had to believe. This, th- I made this statement one time here at the service and I even questioned it myself, but I made it, you know. Jesus is not our Messiah. He was their Messiah. Now listen to me. They were never preached the resurrection. Now, they knew about the resurrection what was it that was missed in their understanding of the resurrection? They knew Jesus was raised from the dead. They didn't know why. Huh? Do you remember? Over in Acts, talks about, Peter talks about uh, being with Jesus here um, at the resurrection. He still didn't understand what the resurrection was all about. Do you understand what the resurrection was all about? Do you think Jesus died and was resurrected just because God wanted it? What happened? What happened at this resurrection that's so valuable and important for you to know? Jesus was nailed to the cross in one position. He died there, but he was resurrected in a different position. You know that? He was resurrected Savior. He didn't die Savior. He was resurrected Savior. Do do you make the connection in your life? Do you understand? Why that why that is I heard some, I read online the other day where some uh, minister in the Lutheran Church saying that uh, the body of Christ had made a huge mistake, not understanding the gospel, giving the gospel away or manip- doing something with the gospel. Well, when I got through reading the article, listening to her, she don 't even know what the gospel is. Do you know what the gospel is? That each one of you know what the gospel is. It's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John does not tell you what the gospel is. It's sure it's named gospel. And it was given to the Jews for uh, for their understanding. You and I would never find the truth out. About the resurrection of Jesus Christ over here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Don't misunderstand me. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John daily. But I read them with the proper understanding. They're not telling me anything about the resurrection. Because they knew nothing about the resurrection. You want to learn about the resurrection, you have to go over here. And you got to start with Paul. you got to go through uh, all of the Pauline epistles. And he will explain to you and reveal to you and unfold to you the truth about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What it's supposed to mean to us. What we're supposed to mix faith with, what we're supposed to say, remember? The spirit of faith is two parts, believing and speaking. So if you do not go to the right place to get your belief, if your belief is staying here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if that's where your belief is staying, and that's where most Christians' belief is staying, they miss out because they can't mix faith with this. Right. They just and it won't work for them, and that's why the body of Christ is as clumsy as it is. It's not in its proper stance. It's clumsy. It's trying to do spiritual things naturally because it hasn't gotten the revelation from the Apostle Paul, and once they receive the revelation, now you have to start mixing your faith with it. In other words, you have to start believing it enough to say it out of your mouth that that's who you are, and that's what you are, and that's where you are. Whatever the Apostle Paul, he draws your picture, that's who you are, that's what you start saying you are. You start applying Philemon 6 in all that you do. That's who you are. You're not the sick. See, here's where people reverse this. They're the sick trying to get healed. That's not true. That's a lie. You're the healed and Satan's trying to make you sick. Now that's a whole new ball game. But you gotta change it around. You gotta change it around in your mind. You gotta change it around in your living, but you gotta change it in your mind first. You can't live it when your mind's telling you the other way around. You have to change your thinking in your mind about who you really are. You're the healed. God sees you healed. Not He don't care. He ain't up for argument. It's not up for debate. He doesn't, you can't say, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. Yeah, He doesn't care what you're going through. He's already given you the answer. He wants you to take the answer instead of what you're going through. If you'll take the answer, you can change what you're going through. But you can't keep going through it and change anything. You're just going to go through it. And you have no testimony because you're not giving God any glory. And you're not being healed. There's no supernatural manifestation in your life. It's all natural. And God doesn't get glory out of natural events. God's glory comes from supernatural events. That's one of the reasons why the, the, the implication is we should be filled with the Holy Ghost. That places us, the Spirit in you springing up as a well of water, of everlasting life, doesn't give you power. There's no power in your character. The power comes when you have the Holy Ghost come upon you. That's where the power comes. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Everybody needs this supernatural power. But listen to me. You have to mix faith with it. What are we just going to walk around waiting for it to show up? It doesn't show up because we wait for it. It shows up when we mix our faith with it, when we acknowledge that the power of God is on our life because we're filled with the Holy Ghost. We lack nothing. We lack no power. We lack no wisdom. We lack no understanding. We have all that we have need of. We have more than enough. Our God, El Shaddai, is the more than enough God. That has to be broadcast, 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 till we believe it. One day, if you broadcast it enough, you will believe it. And when you do, all these things that have been standing in front of you going, yeah, 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 has to leave. Because you don't hear them anymore. But until you do, you hear every one of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. All the time. The only way to shut them up is to renew your mind with the Word of God. And get an understanding that you don't lack anything. I don't care what it looks like, see. It's what God said about it. Over Philemon, what did it say? Make your faith effective by doing what? Acknowledging Acknowledging every what? Good Good thing. See, we have a tendency, we're just built this way. But we have to change it. We have a tendency to acknowledge every bad thing. That's just human, human nature. We got to get out of human nature and get into supernatural believing. Amen. If we leave it to human nature, we're defeated. Can't win. Human nature can't win in this game. In the game of life, it loses. It's designed to lose. It's supernaturally. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the cross. It's the resurrection. It's the acknowledgement that our life changed when we believed in the resurrection. We were this, we're now that. We were there, we're now new creations in Christ Jesus because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ the jews couldn 't do that; they could only believe that he was the messiah and see he didn't even they didn't believe that and so if you go back to the preaching that um, Peter the disciples did after uh, uh the resurrection, if you go back and listen to what they said, they were only trying to convince the Jews that jesus was god 's son right. that's all that's what their whole they're saying. You crucified the Son of God. Well, that's not to affect us. That's to affect the Jews. Because we... and You know, I I hear this stuff here. Your sins put Jesus on the cross. That's a bunch of garbage. My sins didn't put Jesus on the cross. See, anytime somebody starts that kind of... Foolishness, it simply means they do not understand spiritual death. See. If you get into if you get into spiritual death and understand it, then all that of foolishness goes away because it won't work. Jesus died because of spiritual death. And the thing that Satan didn't understand is the way God arranged it, was for Jesus to be born with, no, with the authority of spiritual death not even close to him. There was no authority of spiritual death on Jesus. We have had the authority of spiritual death. But once we were born, once we were redeemed, that's broken forever. We never have to go back and even discuss it with anybody. It's over, it's done, it's finished, complete. So you have to start asking yourself when these things start to come up in your discussion with your own self. Was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus enough? Or did God leave something out? Because a lot of times in your discussion that's what you're actually saying. There's something left out here. Jesus didn't take care of. Well, I'll tell you up front, that's a lie. Because it was a completed work. Jesus' Jesus' work on Calvary was completed. It covered everything. Past, present, and future. Preachers don't like you to preach that. Because it makes them nervous. Especially the sin conscious ones. Because now you're giving people a license to sin. Really? Sin's not a problem. If you pay attention to what the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Romans, what did it say? Huh? What does it say? It said sin's no longer a problem, it's over. God defeated. Well, when did he get? When did he come back into existence? When did he get a foothold? When did he get? When did he start living again? It hadn't. It hasn't. It's dead. It'll always be dead. As far as a believer's concerned, the people that aren't redeemed, they got that problem. I had that problem. I don't have it anymore, and I'm not going to accept it. That's what redemption is all about. That's what when you get redeemed. That's what it's all about. It's a, it's a hundred um, percent lifetime warranty. That you don't have to worry about it breaking down. It's forever. Amen. John fourteen sixteen, and Jesus said, I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Jesus is promising the disciples another comforter, implying he, Jesus, their present comforter, would be removed and another would be sent. The coming of the Holy Spirit was fulfilled, was the fulfillment of that promise. The Holy Spirit was already with them because He was with Jesus and Jesus was with them. But once the Father sent the Holy Spirit to the disciples, the Holy Spirit would be in them. And so, let's go down to, I made mention of this, I want to read it. Romans 8, 9 is the verse that we were speaking of earlier. But you are not in the flesh. But, in the spirit. And here's the qualification. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Well, we just said <coughs> at redeeming, <coughs> at being redeemed, the spirit of God comes into our spirits and seals us and he never leaves us. So that's the qualification that he's talking about here. If that has happened to you, then Paul says, "If that has happened, you, you are not in the flesh." And guess what? I'll be so bold as to say, you can't get in it. Now, there's been a whole long line of preaching on the flesh. Anytime somebody did something, oh, that—that that was you're in the flesh, really not according to what I just read. Let's go back. This is worth it. Right here. Romans 8 9. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now the Spirit of God doesn't come and go. It doesn't catch you at a bad moment. And you sneak over in the flesh while He's gone. That's the way it's being preached, you know. But that's not true. Okay? If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. It's real simple. It's a... It either have it or you don't have it. If you have it, you ain't got to worry about it. If you don't have it, that's who you are. You're in the flesh. You can't be in the Spirit if you don't have Christ's Spirit in you. Wow. The Spirit of Christ is the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. They're the same. Jesus of Nazareth could not be in the disciples physically because he had a resurrected flesh and bone body. Now remember, Flesh and bone had nothing to do with blood. This is a flesh and bone body. No blood. This is after the resurrection. No blood. Jesus took his blood to heaven and left it there. He doesn't have any blood in his body. After we are raptured, we won't have any blood in our bodies. That'll be the transformation that takes place. Blood can't go. You know what? Maybe, maybe there's something for you to think about. He had flesh and bone body. A body that you could see and feel. After his resurrection, when he appeared to one, on one occasion to the disciples, and they said, he is a spirit. What did Jesus say? He said unto them, why are you troubled? And why do your thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands, my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have. Remember, this is after his resurrection. And remember that Peter preaching at Cornelius' house said in Acts 10, 40, him, God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. There is going to be some partying going on at the resurrection. Do you understand it? Huh? What do you think we're gonna do? We're gonna eat. We're gonna have a flesh and bone body just like Jesus has got. And He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is He which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and dead and the dead. And then Jesus ascended on high. His disciples watched Him as He left them. He is now seated at the right hand of the Father. I am so glad he ain't on the left. Glory to God. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. We ever liveth to make intercession for the body of Christ. I keep reminding myself that every day. He's on the right. He's on the right. Hallelujah. But it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that he enters us. See, Jesus enters us. So let's not get confused about this thing. This is all part of this program that we're doing here pertaining to Jesus, the Holy Ghost, and the Father. They're all God. But the Bible doesn't say God enters us. He said Jesus enters us and the Spirit enters us. Jesus' Spirit enters us. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that He enters us. The Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Col- Col- Colossians 1.27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. <laughs> you want that to mean something to you? You want Christ in you to mean something to you? you have to apply you have to apply the law of faith. Which is what? Believe and speak. See, did them no good because they didn't mix faith with it. So how about mixing some faith with this? Thanks be unto God. He sent the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Christ, and He could be in us. So He could be in us. Colossians 4. But when the fullness of time was come, which which shows us that things operate on a time frame, okay? When, this, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. What law is that? What law were we under? Sin and death. We were under the law of sin and death. Okay? But we've been redeemed from that. Hallelujah. Because your sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Next week, three key truths to fully cooperation with the Holy Ghost. If you haven't brought your timeline if you don't have one or if you haven't, um, if you've forgotten about it, you need to make a copy. These are rough, sure, but they're to, for you to fill in the blanks, every one of you. Um, I won't go into this here. This is heavy duty stuff here. We'll wait at a later date because if I do that, you'll have nightmares and won't sleep and be calling me up. And I ain't got time for that. Hallelujah. Okay, wait a minute. I'm going to find it. Did I? Yes, sir. Page six. Who? Page six. Okay. last verse? Galatians. Colossians one twenty seven. Galatians 4, 4 through 6. Where am I there? That's Acts ten, Acts ten forty. No, Galatians. Oh, Galatians four. Okay, what about it? it out loud. Huh? Just it out loud. I didn't do that. Okay, excuse me. I. Okay, um, Galatians four, four through six. But when the fullness of time, I did this. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of sons. Because your sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Is that it? Huh? Okay. Praise God. The law that He's taught... I, I used to get upset when Paul would say, we Gentiles have never been under the law. And then the next time I read, there's talking about the law. So there are more than one law here. That's the point. The, the, the law that they're talking about is a Mosaic law. I've never been under the Mosaic law. I've never been required to keep the Ten Commandments. I've never been required to pray the Lord's Prayer. Okay. The law that is being mentioned here at times is the law of sin and death. That's spiritual death. That's a law, and I'm redeemed from that law. It had its grips on me at one time, but I have been redeemed, and it'll never, ever, ever, ever have an opportunity. It's over. It's done. The blood of Jesus is taking care of it. It was a completed work at Calvary's cross. Hallelujah. Praise God.